0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amitin, and this is Kelly and Ramea. If you
0: missed out on our conversation with Ryan Huey before the break, folks, check it out via the podcast. Subscribe to Kelly and Rumia using your favorite podcast platform. If you don't mind, give us a rating and review. Uh, I think uh I think we upset him, but. It happens that way, but, you know, we know We ourselves stands. all
1: the time, yeah. Well, you feel
0: bad for the potential narrators out there, um, but on the other hand, on the horizon, infinite amounts of books available to us, no more 10%, maybe 85%, 95% of the books will that be accessible. That is the spectrum, yeah. Oh, uh, we welcome also to join us, Grant Hardy, who's also been shaken up by that last conversation and AI overall, <sighs> but... Oh, Grant, we'll save that for another day. Let's let's get to what we've got here. Since Rumya made all us right. late in the we'll last save segment, wowing, crying, all <laughs> oh, the crying that this went on. This is your on. cut oh, for time, goodness. Grant.
1: You can swap over <laughs> oh, and start God. talking
0: AI. <laughs> yeah, you could just switch or leap off of whatever your subject is here, which we'll get to in a few <laughs> moments, and suddenly include AI. Rumya, uh is going to start us off as we look at some of the segments from the past week, and uh, I'll hand it to you, Rum. Okay.
1: We're going back to Wednesday's show. Greg David joined us to talk about the untimely passing of Matthew Perry. Uh, He played Chandler in Friends, and we talked about Friends. Here he is touching on some of the cast members' story of getting on the show.
2: The casting director for Friends shortlisted 1,000 actors who had applied for each role. Each role. Uh, and so they whittled that down to 75. Um uh Marta Kaufman, uh, the the executive producers had worked with David Schwimmer in the past. So they uh wrote the character of Ross with him in mind, and he was the very first actor cast. And funnily enough, he was viewed as the star of the show. So it yeah. became very much yep. an ensemble. But in the very beginning, mm-hmm. the idea was that it was going to be based around David Schwimmer's character more they so they than the other's
1: something to anchor from. Jeez.
2: yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, Courtney Cox wanted to play the role of Monica because she liked the strong characters. But the producers had her in mind to play Rachel because of her cheery, upbeat energy. Um, that was not how they envisioned Monica. So they decided that they wanted Courtney Cox to uh, to play Rachel. But after she auditioned for the role, they agreed with Courtney Cox and she got the role mm. of, of Monica.
1: So, but there was a time in my life where Friends was basically background noise. It was white noise for me. It would just replay it over and over and over again. It would be uh, on all the time. I knew the episodes by storyline, if not by, like, actual lines that characters were speaking. And then I went into an absolute deep dive of how people got cast and the interviews of all the, the different cast members. I really fell in love with the um, show— and thought that I was getting a lot of the the people behind it as well and their personalities and their come-ups from the show. But what really hit me is um, Matthew Perry, when he brought out his memoir, and I guess before his memoir as well. To be fair, there were, in the last couple of years, times where he's spoken very candidly about his struggle with um, mental health, with addiction and substance abuse and um, alcoholism, just all kinds of things, But it was a shock to the system for so many Friends fans, because I think a lot of us felt like guilty for not realizing, not understanding that this man had been going through pretty much 10 years of struggle, and uh, some would argue the worst of the struggle during his time on Friends. And so when he started talking about it, we were like, whoa. What do you mean? And then we started going back and watching episodes, watching seasons. And he would say, you know, during season five, this is what was happening with me during season eight. And if you notice my weight gain and weight loss throughout the series, you could tell. And not just fans, cast members came out and started to talk about uh, when they were interviewed or when the conversations were appropriate enough, would talk about how... They felt like things were going on, but nobody wanted to touch the subject. And so much of this is just around how much we would leave an elephant in the room, you know, and and be uh, cautious not to bring up things, or to tiptoe around a subject, or even if you felt like you cared enough, you wanted to be there for a person, you so badly wanted them to know that you could, uh, you wanted to support them, how could you? How could you touch that topic? It's such a, a tender part of a person's experience and identity, and you don't know what to do or how to be there. And then when he came out with this memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, uh, he talked so openly, and it gave a lot of people permission, and I'm, I'm definitely sure that it gave himself permission, to talk about all this stuff that has happened with him. And uh, up until you know him writing the actual memoir and beyond that there were health conditions that he brought up etc i think some big lesson for me in all of this is just that feel as i've explained of feeling like you know somebody know the person and these are celebrities obviously we don't know them but you know still feeling like you were a super fan you you're definitely know who they are how they present themselves and you feel like you're going through things with them as you go through the shows the characters you bond with them and so many people feel that way about friends and yet there are such deep stories that we don't get to know and such loneliness and isolation that people feel uh, that we don't fully understand and I guess in a in a way it's a huge, revelation once we get to uh, places with people if they're able to write about it the way that matthew perry has or decide to open up about it the way he has which i'm sure was very very difficult for him grant
3: Yeah, there's a lot of suffering in the world. There really is. And I think with a lot of these shows, I'll be honest, Friends is a show I've been meaning to watch uh, because I just love the style of of, uh, sitcom. Mm. Uh, So because I haven't watched it, I I may be a little off in terms of my, my facts. But essentially, you know, you watch a sitcom like this, especially something, you know, where the character the person plays is very close to their real life kind of you know like seinfeld let's say where the character is literally a comedian but no matter what it is yeah you you know you kind of feel as though you know them you know you're part of the family and their lives often just seem so simple and you know comical and joyous in in certain respects and then you realize that there's a lot that's hidden away and uh you don't always really get to see the full picture and that's really the case for everybody that that person, you know, smiling next to you joking around whatever it's like unbelievable Kelly that they may be struggling, but that's just the fact of the matter.
0: Yeah. um, Actor Tyler Christopher passed away this week as well. And uh, we afterward hear a lot about struggles he had had um, substance abuse and just getting through. And I know a lot of actors through my time doing theater and It's that people will say, well, were they crying out for help? And I think a lot of what the people who have gotten out there, as we learn and advocated, this is the problem I'm going through. And once they get to the point and there's that time in acting in our, unfortunately, um, and, and anything to do with entertainment, you kept everything as quiet as possible. It was not in your best interest to be open or to share these problems with the outside world. Don't do it. And so many people ended up, Matthew Perry, having to try to deal with stuff on their mm. own. And they got to where they said, forget that. I got to help other people because that helps me. And I think for those of us who cannot reach out to have helped or supported, even when we if we heard about this before or any other people struggling who are open enough to say so, what they're basically wanting us to do, I would think, is help the people we can reach, the people in our world, listen, understand mm exercise tolerance that sometimes we don't have and i don't mean just impatience i just mean we're all carrying on with our own things in our world oh yeah so so and so seems so down today they seem like they're struggling lately but i'm busy i'll get to them later i'll call them just check in on them over the weekend well and unfortunately in some cases there isn't an over the week mm-hmm. and i think that that's what people um tyler and matthew would would probably say yeah but you got enough people around you no you, i may not know you you may not be able to reach me help somebody else. Sticking with our show on Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, we spoke with Toronto student Sterling Wan about his project. This is amazing because it was uh, part of the recent Canada-wide science fair. And here he is explaining a bit more.
3: Yeah, so in the Canada-wide science fair, uh, me and my partner Ethan, also at my school, we worked on a project that, a device that could create both clean water and create clean electricity. So it was sort of a two-in-one system that allowed water to evaporate and made that water into clean water.
1: Oh, this is brilliant. Um, Why this project?
3: Yeah, because... I think as a Torontonian, especially, like we have access to clean water and mm-hmm. sometimes we forget that our communities far away from us without access to clean electricity, with electricity and clean water yes. and that life can be difficult. So my partner, when he was younger, he went to China. So um, and he was able to see some of the communities that wasn't able to have as much clean water. And that was some something inspirational towards the creation of this project.
0: I'm going to go a little way away from his topic and things he shared with us in that conversation, because I encourage you to check out our podcast and hear it if you missed it um, from our conversation with him the other day. But the beautiful thing that Sterling did that I thought was so great was right there talking about a suggestion. How come the inspiration for the idea, his friend, he also through it mentioned somebody who worked on something to help people in the low vision and blind community. This young man And you stop and say, well, he's science. He's he's very smart in that. But you know what? Not everybody has that gift to be able to explain to us. Maybe I don't want to say the layman, but we're not there. We're not part of this. He was so versed and wonderful to listen to. It made it so exciting to have him talk about this this portion of STEM and what he's doing. But it was a real honor for me as a host to have this young man come on the show, calm, collected, and aware. Um, It gives me such a feeling of... This is a person that's aware of what's going on around them. You may have picked up some of the background noise in, in the back. He, he commented on that. Being aware that guy, sorry, you're probably hearing some people talk in the hallway, carried on with what he had to say. That awareness is the kind of awareness I want finding out answers for me, explaining things to me, leading my country, if you want to say that. And, and this is a 17-year-old boy, and it was so wonderful that he had the time at the last minute, we we'd got him on the show actually fairly quickly, as Grant will attest to. And, you know, Ramya, I found it so refreshing just to have this kind of guest visit with us for a little bit on the show. And I thank him and I thank him for being so darn prepared.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prepared. And you know, what I really uh, appreciated about the way he communicated was that it was, it was a scientist. Like you, you could tell that he was in a very growth mindset that he appreciated the depths of learning and to uh, understand and to help and all of these other fantastic things that come with being part of science and, and taking part in experiments and helping each other out. But at the essence of it, there's a lot of just experiment and growth and disappointment but being able to move forward, learning and taking things as you go and learning from not just yourself and not just what you're willing to put on the table but what everybody else is bringing to the table as well and uh, being able to kind of blend that all together and say, hey, if it's not this, it might be that. And I think that that is such a, a healthy way of looking at science looking at the world and then being able to like you said kels communicate that with other people just in the energy of it
0: oh yeah that was so great grant your feeling and uh, you've got one more for us yeah
3: i i just think it's did you guys ever notice how like practical and pragmatic scientists are Mm -hmm. i just love it so much it makes me smile because i'm thinking of myself i'd be like i don't want to you know brag or anything throw around you know the hero word but you know (laughs) i'm trying to uh you know develop a system for clean water but you listen to that guy and i don't wouldn't really do that i'm exaggerating but you listen to that guy he's like well, you know, I just came up... This seemed like a good experiment to go with, creating clean water, because some people don't have it. So, you know, we're trying to advance the scientific, you know, method to incorporate that. Like, they're just very logical and practical. (laughs) Really, like, scientists should actually probably be leading the world because they're just so, like so logical about everything i don't
0: know how we're doing for time we're tight Grant. so but... you'll only have time we can play and let you we'll listen to
3: That's you okay. uh fern lallum talked about fear and the psychology behind it yesterday here she is defining fear
2: Fear is an emotional response and it is triggered by a perceived threat or danger or an anticipation of harm. Something harmful is coming and we are afraid of it. So it can manifest itself in various ways and in various different levels of intensity. You know, sometimes it's really bad, sometimes it's not so bad. We can handle it. But um, it can often lead to us sort of having changes in our thoughts, in our behavior, in how we feel in our body. You know, that, Like I mentioned, the heart starts racing, the sweaty palms, all of that. And you can really start feeling that fear coming on. So it's that thought of something is coming and it's going to potentially be bad for me, essentially.
3: You know, I'll try and be quick here, but one idea I would really be interested in exploring, should have asked her about this yesterday, is where fear intersects with other uh, emotions that or qualities that people judge you for or see as foibles, such as, for example, people saying that you're lazy. So I think sometimes, you know, people who are struggling with their mental health, maybe have a disability, uh, just have some some past trauma, uh, may, for example, you know, sort of uh, just stick around the, the home. You know, they don't really seem to be able to kind of accomplish, get the kinds of things done that maybe you think they should be able to. Uh, and we often just attribute that to, to laziness. But I wonder if we really delved into it whether it would be less laziness and more about this really powerful magnet of like fear that is like I could you know try and go out I could try and do this but I'm just remembering like some of these terrible things that you know happened to the past and you know this fear is sort of like gluing me you know to where I am but it's easier to be sort of more chill and attribute this to like laziness or you know, just sort of lack of motivation. So I kind of wonder whether a a lot of people have that trauma reinforced by having people tell them over and over that they're lazy, Mm -hmm. not motivated, when in fact it's fear that's the driver and they're not getting the help that would be appropriate.
0: Yeah. I think about that with the Henry Winkler item that we had on the show the other day during the round table where he was told by his parents basically that he was dumb, dumb dog, and how low you feel as a person. And in his case, And made him rise at least on the level of not only being an accomplished actor, had the best he could to fight through, but treating others the most, the best way he could because he certainly didn't want to be that person that treated him like he was treated. Grant, thank you, sir have a wonderful weekend guys thank you thank you sir we'll talk to you on monday on the program grant hardy joining us rumia and i for cut for time we do this every friday check out what we've been talking about via the podcast subscribe you can listen to this podcast uh, segments or the complete kelly and rumia podcast with the audio vanity card and if you don't mind give us a rating and review we'll tell you what's coming up on ami tv and audio over the weekend we have our closing moment and more after this We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
1: Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.